0: Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. The host for this episode is Wumi Adakambi. Wumi immigrated 10 years ago from Nigeria, where she was a post-secondary instructor and researcher and led a youth empowerment nonprofit. Wumi is passionate about people, information, and solutions in that order. She is a strategist and a connector. Her greatest motivation is creating coherent value streams across organizational, functional units, using a systems thinking approach. She strives to inspire confidence and intentionality in leadership, equip teams to execute from a big picture perspective and harness community interdependencies. Wumi is the organizer and host of Immigrant Techies Alberta, a tech enthusiast group for skilled immigrants who are in or are interested in pivoting to tech careers and startups. Let's join Wumi now as she has a conversation with Karen McPherson, Take it away, Wumi.
1: Welcome to the Rainforest Podcast. My name is Wumi Adekombi, and I'll be your host for this episode. My guest today is Karen McPherson. Karen first attended the Rainforest shortly after it was established in Calgary, when the group was growing and had to find larger spaces to meet in. After working in IT for more than 15 years, she left technology and entered the wonderful world of politics. As an MLA, she was a co-sponsor of the Alberta Investor Tax Credit, legislation that looked to put Alberta on a competitive plane with other Canadian provinces who have developed policies to encourage investment in their tech sectors. Karen is an advocate for a provincial strategy to ensure all Albertans have access to reliable high-speed internet and the social, educational, and economic opportunities that that brings for everyone. She's also a board member for the local nonprofit Engines, which advises governments and businesses on how to incorporate the sustainable developmental goals into their organizational operations. Welcome, Karen. Happy that you're joining us today. Hi, thanks, Wumi. Thanks so much for having me here. Yeah, I, I, I remember how we met, actually, Karen. It was at uh, Montreal University for uh, a change management course. And it was you that introduced me to the rainforest. You, you kept talking about it, about how it's a great group. And there was a lot of idea sharing. And I, I just wanted to ask, what, what was the drive behind that? What, was it because, of your, because you had an IT background or because of your involvement in government? What made you passionate about growing an innovation community in Alberta?
2: That is a great question. Um, I think it probably goes back to when I was growing up and uh, my mom was a pretty nerdy woman and she bought this will show how old i am she bought a commodore 64 and she created a game on it and i just thought that was the coolest thing ever so that led me to join the computer club in high school where i was the only girl and to focus on sciences when i went to university at first i switched out of it but um it's a lifelong passion for stem i guess And um, how much technology has to offer to people. And yeah, those other experiences definitely informed my participation in the rainforest. And I think it's a great organization. And I talk about it to as many people as possible and encourage them to attend.
1: Absolutely. It's like your gateway to, to the tech ecosystem in Alberta. If you want to know what's going on in tech. Rainforest is your first stop. That's that's how I got into the community and met a lot of great people. It's an awesome community. And how did you grow up? Wait, did you grow up here in Calgary? Was it have you always been a Calgarian? Did you yeah. Have you always been an Albertan?
2: Mostly. Uh so I was born in Edmonton and my family lived there until I was five. And then we moved uh, up to northwestern Alberta to a small town called Sexmith, which is just outside of Grand Prairie. And yeah, it was 300 people at the time that we moved there with wooden sidewalks and dirt roads. So it was a bit of a culture shock uh, for somebody from a city. And, uh, but it was a really great area to grow up in. And I ended up attending school in Grand Prairie. I have lived in Alberta for most of my life, but I did leave. Uh, my kids and I moved to England in 1998. And I went to work for a manufacturing company in the UK. I took care of their collaboration, so their email and their web presence, and then moved to the US in uh, early 2000. And we lived there uh, until we came back to Calgary in 2004.
1: Wow, that's an exciting life you've had. Like You've experienced so many cultures and experiences and you are a lifelong learner i met you during change management course and you also took a software development bootcamp tell us about that what what keeps you wanting to just <laughs> explore all these opportunities
2: curious <laughs> um i think i think i could probably thank our neighbor when i was a little kid in sexsmith so we lived in a tiny little house and next door was this man and his name was george robinson and he was you know, in retrospect, in retrospect, probably an eccentric person, um, but he was so interesting. And he had this cute little bungalow with this huge yard and all of these gardens and a giant shed full of artifacts. It was like living next door to a museum. And there were fossils and bugs on sticks and all kinds of different plants. And he had traveled quite a bit, so he had lots of really interesting stories. And it was a wonderful magical place to go and visit. So I think that really sparked my curiosity about how things work. I remember getting a watch when I was five and the first thing that I did was take the back off of it to see how it worked. (laughs) So I yeah, I love learning and it's life is life is not as full when we're not learning things. And I think it's really
1: authentic that you continue to explore all these places even though you have seen you've you've had different perspectives you've had the perspective of someone working in tech of someone working in in government and you still are curious to keep learning I think it just it just um, I like how it makes you a more rounded person and someone to look up to oh thanks and did your Mm -hmm. so while, while you were in government did you I was just wondering, did you see an opportunity to grow the innovation uh, sector in Calgary? I mean, part of what you did, the, the bills you sponsored, I can see that that came in, your passion there came into what you were doing in government. And now that you're not in that space anymore, how are you still keeping on with that passion to to expand Alberta's tech innovation community?
2: So, Shortly after I got elected, I was really fortunate to have um, a conversation with Trent Johnson. So he's pretty active in the innovation space in Calgary, and he shared information with me about how BC, in particular, has had an investor tax credit for a number of years, and how much of a benefit that's been to their tech sector there. Um, Ontario has a similar plan in place, and you know that's really enhanced their. Tech environment. And that's something that I really want to see be a strong part of Alberta's economy. Oil and gas will always be a backbone of our economy. But with the way that the world is shifting, um, moving more and more towards renewable energy, we need to be able to fill in those economic holes that we are seeing. With other industries, and tech makes a lot of sense. We've got a lot of young, really smart people in Alberta. We attract wonderful people to Alberta who are smart and well-educated. And tech offers so much potential for the development of the province. So it it made a lot of sense to me to co-sponsor the Alberta Investor Tax Credit Bill. I advocated for my colleagues to attend the rainforest if they had the opportunity. I think elected people generally could do a better job of being informed about technology so that they can create better policy in that regard and yeah all of those all of those things kind of tied together and and that's why it was something that I focused on quite a bit while I was in office.
1: That will also help to to tell a better Alberta story out there to the rest of the world, to the rest of the country, that there's a lot more going on. I mean, that's what I found out coming closer to to the community and and I don't think we're doing a great job. The narrative out there is not supporting all the uh, wonderful growth that the tech sector is experiencing in Alberta. Now let's talk about digital equity, which is like your passion. I mean, you talked about it a lot, even when we met back then. And wh- wh- why, is that? why is that important to you? I mean, it's, I, I, I understand how we, there's a lot of disparity. This pandemic especially exacerbated all the, it, it pronounced the divide in economic status, even racial divides. And so how does this digital divide come in? And what have you seen in terms of how, the pandemic widened it further, widened the divide further?
2: I think I can point back to my childhood again in that regard. So growing up in Sexsmith, at that time, there was no such thing as cable or satellite TV. We had three channels and one of them was French. And <laughs> you drove, you know, 25 minutes into Grand Prairie and they had cable and they had like 13 channels. and It was very exciting. And, and you know, you can see there the difference in technology from rural to urban such as it was and telecoms was another example so a lot of my friends lived on farms and they had party lines where you had to wait your turn to use the phone Um, you had to use a a special kind of plunger on your phone to access the party line Um, and that's what we're seeing now in Alberta is that there's lots of places in Alberta even before the pandemic, that are missing out on economic and social and educational opportunities because they don't have reliable, high-speed internet, whatever way that might be delivered. First Nations communities, a lot of them face the same kind of barriers. Um, I was speaking to a friend who said uh, he he had to drive like a couple of kilometers to be able to get a signal on his phone to finish his schoolwork um that's an impediment that's a real impediment and we see how things are migrating more and more online so banking like it's it's more common to do your banking online than in person and with the provincial government among other governments moving to delivering healthcare electronically again that's another way that people in rural areas will be missing out or receiving a lower standard than people in urban areas. So I guess it's, you know, I still have a strong identity, even though I live in Calgary, which is, you know, well over a million people. I still have a strong identity from those rural uh, roots that, you know, formed, informed who who I am. Mm
1: -hmm. And, And you mentioned earlier, when we were chatting earlier, about how students' homework had to be delivered to them by bus.
2: Yes, yes. So I have a really good friend who um, is on a school board in northeastern Alberta, and you know when all the kids had to do their their schooling at home, schools were shut down last spring for a long period of time. I said to her, like, I know internet's a problem for a lot of people in rural Alberta. How are the kids doing their homework? Like, what? How are they participating? So instead of taking kids back and forth to school, the buses pick up the homework. And deliver it to the kids that don't have internet, and then pick it up at the end of the day and or the week and bring it back to their teachers, so those students are really missing out while all of their classmates are participating in class on Zoom or whatever technology collaboration technology is being used. It, it, that's real isolation, and there's fewer opportunities for those students to get support in what they're learning um, and puts a lot of onus on parents, which I mean We've all had to, you know, pull together to do things during the pandemic. But to be in an isolated situation, and if you're not skilled in teaching, that has implications for the student. Um, and I think, I think we can do better. I think we can make sure that everybody meets a minimum standard of connectivity. If we consider high-speed internet access to be a utility, it's like um, if you had a town That was, say, 20 miles away from a city. Odds are it's not going to have like a little goat path to get to it. There'll be a road. It'll be a paved road. And uh, um, capital will go into maintaining that road. I think we can take a look at high-speed internet the same way. It's a road. It's a digital road for people to connect with what's happening in the world. And it deserves the same attention that, you know, our roads receive. They're important infrastructure. They're vital to the future of the province. And we need to have smart, forward-thinking strategies to future-proof the province.
1: I I like the analogy that like a road, because the road is what connects people. The road, you need the road to a community to build their economy, to build their social life. Like everything is connected to the road. So if you cut that out, absolutely that communities isolated i mean i can only imagine having kids that can't stay connected through i mean digitally it's hard enough that they have to the only way they can connect is digital and now even they, they can't have that I, I i really can i can't even imagine what that will feel like for for those kids and you are doing something about this
2: right i I am. I have been working on a project for the last few months. So, in the last century, large parts of rural Alberta were facing issues getting electricity and gas to their um, communities or to their farms. And what they did was they got together and they formed co ops to be able to, I guess, distribute the cost of putting those utilities in place. And some of them are still in existence today. There's still gas and electricity co-ops in in Alberta. So it's, you know, it's an interesting part of our history. And it is a way for communities and groups of people to be able to empower themselves in terms of getting high-speed internet to where they need it. So I have been having lots of conversations um, with stakeholders about, well, what can a co-op look like? How, how does the high-speed internet landscape look in Alberta right now? Where are we missing support and trying to pull people together uh, to address this? And like I said, it's not going to just be one solution. Like, not everybody's going to have fiber to their doorstep. That's not realistic. But what what sorts of network connection can be achieved in different areas? So lots of uh, not-for-profits, for-profit organizations, um, economic development organizations, municipalities, uh, anybody that's interested, I'm happy to have a conversation with.
1: What role do you think the wireless service providers can play in all of this? I mean, they are a very big part of this um, um, this situation.
2: I know that there are some providers in, I believe, southern Alberta right now, who are meeting those those wireless or connectivity needs. <clears throat> Pardon me for uh, different communities. Uh, I think it's I think it's really a challenge for a lot of municipalities to see a clear path forward. Although. There are communities that have already, you know, implemented solutions. And one really amazing example is Olds. So what Olds has done is they created um, a not-for-profit within the community. And that not-for-profit funds an organization that will provide um, high-speed internet and um, television services. And phone services, and they're very willing to help other municipalities put solutions like that in place for their own communities. But each community is going to have a different a different set of needs. Some communities are large enough that large uh, telecom providers will go in and you know figure out a way to provide service. But other other municipalities may not be big enough to establish their own not for profit to do that or attract uh, that service from a large telecom provider. So there's really, you know, there's gaps and there isn't one solution for every location, so.
1: Now with 5G, with, with, um, with the progression into 5G infrastructure, doesn't that even make this situation worse? I mean, the rural communities, it sounds like they're gonna to have to be playing catch up over and over. Doesn't that widen the the
2: divide? Uh, Yes, hugely. And it's really important as a province. And I mean like extra governmental. I don't mean the government. If they participate, that's fabulous. But Albertans themselves, it's really easy for us to not put a lot of thought into what kind of province that we want in the future. But planning for technologies like 5G, which sound to be really transformative for how we do things. Uh, That's really important. So the Internet of Things is already a big disruptor of how business is conducted and how operations go forward for different organizations. And if if the expectation in the future is that more and more services will be provided in an Internet of Things structure... What's going to happen in isolated rural areas where, say, maybe there's a lot of resource extraction, but there isn't a whole lot of, there aren't a whole lot of people that live there. Um, How are we going to accommodate autonomous vehicles, which, you know, will will certainly um, make a lot of deliveries, long haul of goods um, easier, but. If that won't be possible in parts of Alberta if we don't plan ahead to make sure that five, or 5G or five is something that will be possible in that we have the infrastructure in place to be able to accommodate that. Sorry, I'm just kind of rambling. Um, yeah. So uh, with rural Alberta already being behind, at the pandemic accelerating, how much disparity, digital disparity there is, and the specter of 5G on the horizon, all of those things really compel us to be thoughtful about what do we want Alberta to look like in the future? Because if those technologies aren't available in rural areas, that really diminishes educational and economic development opportunities. So in a way, we're forcing people into larger urban areas. I really appreciated growing up in a small town. I would hope that people have that uh, opportunity in the future and to be able to be prosperous in rural Alberta. But if we neglect to take care of infrastructure there, there won't be as many options for people. And Alberta is already facing, you know, a lot of young people leaving the province. Let's give them opportunities and reasons to stay here. And make sure that, you know, they can create the future that they want where they, where they live already.
1: Right. And it's not, it's, not a deep, it's not a rural Alberta problem. It's an Alberta problem, right? Exactly. Because if we, if we can't, I mean, most of our firms are in the rural areas, right? So it affects logistics, it affects supply chain. So, yeah, it's, it helps when we look at it as an Alberta problem and not a rural Alberta problem. Now tell us about potato net.
2: <laughs> what <laughs> so is potato this, net? <laughs> this is my endeavor to um to to help alleviate the problem and looking to um, support municipalities, economic development organizations, um, neighbors that get together. And want to um, do something, want to establish a, a co op to be able to take advantage of government programs that are out there and uh, get high, reliable high speed internet where they are. Why the name? Why put it or Why? why?
1: <laughs> How did you come about that?
2: <laughs> it's a fun name, <laughs> it's, it sounds better than like Goat Nut. <laughs> Right. So I wanted to, I wanted to incorporate like the rural perspective on things and potatoes are pretty rural Um, and, and, you know, more, more, uh, speaking to technology, the net part. So yeah, potato net just kind of rolls off the tongue. Mm -hmm.
1: I think so. It's an attention. It's a great attention grabber (laughs) for sure. And where can we find more information about this and how can the community help? I mean, the innovation community in Alberta, how can they support this
2: project? I just really want people to advocate for high-speed connectivity for Alberta and not, not delineate between rural and urban. And there's definitely people, or First Nations, there's definitely people in our cities and towns as well that don't have high-speed internet connectivity. So, you know, it's all, it's all important. And the, the piece that I see being able to do is to facilitate. Yeah, and, and putting together the tools to be able to do something about it. So let's, let's, let me help you establish a co-op. Let me help you figure out which grants are appropriate for what you're trying to put in place. Let me help connect you with people that are really good at, at the hardware part of things. Do you want a tower in your town that looks like a palm tree? Like, let's make this fun and accessible and a community building activity.
1: Ah, yeah, that was great. How would you, what, what would be your, if you have an opportunity for a TED talk, what would you be talking about?
2: Oh, wow. Probably something else entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I had the opportunity for a TED Talk. If it had to do with connectivity, it would be focusing on how we have pockets of really good tech development in Canada. And as we heard the other day on the Calgary Economic Development webinar, how Calgary is like a real center for 5G Infrastructure and the way that the cities approach that, but as a country and a province, we're behind other places. People in developing economies kind of have an advantage because they don't have that old infrastructure that that telecoms are trying to bring forward. So yeah, I think I would really focus on what the digital divide means for communities for countries and for individuals for people it's it's opportunity like let's make sure everybody has the opportunity what they do with that is up to them but let's let's create equity of opportunity
1: that's great if there was no pandemic what is one thing you will be doing right now or one place you will be Oh
2: my goodness. Or something you're looking
1: forward to. <laughs> it's
2: like being at a buffet. There's just too much to pick from. <laughs> I miss being around people and having structure to my days, which I'm sure many, many people can identify with. The days just kind of blur together. I never really realized how important that was to me. I want to see people every day. And it's wonderful to see people through Zoom, but I want to see people in person and I want to give my friends hugs. And, you know, I I just want to be around people, whatever that looks like. And I want to travel. I have um, a daughter who lives in London and I would love to go and see her. I hope that happens sooner than later. Yes.
1: It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Karen. Thank you so much
2: for coming. Well, thank you, Wumi, and I just want to give you a little shout out too. I really want to acknowledge you for your, your okay, I know I'm going to get it wrong, Immigrant Techies Group, is that the right name? Yes, Immigrant yes. Techies out Yes, Yes, it's, it's so great that you took the initiative and it showed, you know, a lot of leadership in putting together a group for people that were facing the same kinds of questions that you had and i just really want to acknowledge you for that thank you very much karen okay thanks a lot for having me on today
0: if you haven't already visit rainforestab.ca and sign the rainforest social contract become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage. Inspire. Educate. Together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.